Hello everybody, this is the uh, first sermon in our new series, Spirit in Action, looking at the book of Acts, and it's entitled, In Times of Difficulty, the Church Becomes Known. It's drawing on Acts 11 verses 19 to 30. Last week was Easter Sunday, the day of resurrection. It's the day we declare that nothing can stop the purposes of God. When evil had done its worst, when death had taken a hold, it looked like all was set to end in failure. But not so. Christ rose from the dead, defeating all his foes. Sin has been dealt with, life eternal is promised, and nothing can stop the King of Kings now. The story of Easter is the story of our God taking the greatest tragedy in the history of the world and making it the greatest victory. We now live as his resurrection people, people who can have assurance and hope in whatever situation we find ourselves in. The risen Christ is with us and he's at work through us by his spirit today. But what does that look like in practice? How are the church to live out the good news of the resurrection day by day? To help answer this question, we're going to turn now to the book of Acts. Last year we looked at the first 11 chapters of Acts. We're now going to pick up where we left off. And this is perfect timing because today's passage speaks of a great trial for the church. And yet, good things were still going on. I really believe this passage speaks in to our current crisis situation. There are three things that I think God would like us to see. The first is this. In a time of suffering, God is still at work. The passage begins on a sombre note. We read of martyrdom, persecution and the scattering of refugees. This is the context of everything that is taking place. In Acts 7 and 8, Stephen had bravely stood up before the Jewish high court. There he proclaimed the gospel, teaching clearly how all the Jewish scriptures paved the way for Christ. He then reminded his listeners how despite that, they had had Jesus put to death on the cross. But God transformed that heinous act. After death came resurrection. This news was too much for the Jewish leaders to bear. So they dragged Stephen outside and stoned him to death. With that, great persecution began. The likes of Saul travelled up and down the land, imprisoning and murdering Christians. The Jews were trying to stamp these Jesus followers out. But that did not happen. Not at all. Instead, God worked another act of resurrection power. After Stephen's death, many believers scattered. Right across the Mediterranean region they went. They sought to escape. They ran for their lives. To any outsider peering in, it looked like a great failure of the cause. However, God in his mercy turned it into a great opportunity. 
every one of these refugee believers became like a seed tossed out by a farmer in his field. They landed in all sorts of places, but as they did, they took root and began to grow. As our passage continues, we read that some of those believers went to Antioch. As with refugees today, we know very few of their personal details. We know where they came from, but we do not know any of their names. These were not famous leaders. These were not prominent figures. These were ordinary believers, just like you and me. But these ordinary Christians soon became pioneers. The work they began was incredibly significant. We read in verse 21 that through their testimony, many Gentiles came to faith. In fact, so large was the uprising that the church in Jerusalem felt that they had to send out an ambassador to check out exactly what was going on. These believers who knew fear, just like you and me, were making waves in the city. And this was Antioch of all places. Antioch was a vast city, the third largest in the Roman Empire. It was a cosmopolitan commercial centre placed slap bang on all the major trade routes. It was also on a river that led to the nearby sea, so it had its own docks. In ancient times, this was the recipe for every type of vice you can imagine. A city built on greed, a city full of different gods and idols, a city full of drunken violence. Add to that that there was a large shrine to the goddess Daphne just outside the city who was worshipped through a cult of prostitution, and you can throw rampant sexual immorality into the mix as well. This was a tough place to be, a tough place for a follower of Jesus to keep the faith. In many ways, these refugees had fallen out of the frying pan and into the fire. But even here, amongst all the fear and danger, all the immorality and vice, lives were being changed. These unnamed pioneers were making an impact. The scattered seed were blossoming into flower. How? And why? Well, verse 21 makes it clear. The Lord's hand was with them. This was not their success. It was God's success. It was the work of his spirit who had been poured out on the faithful by the risen and ascended Christ. God had not abandoned his people in their time of crisis. Far from it. In their persecution, he was doing a new thing. In their time of suffering, God was still at work. I believe this to be true for us now. We are not being persecuted, but we are suffering under this virus. I think this passage encourages us to see that even here, even now, God has not left us. And because he is still present, and because he has the power of resurrection life... He has the ability to turn even this trial into an opportunity. Without getting carried away, I want to tentatively suggest that we've seen something of the truth of this as a church already. As we have sadly had to close the doors of our buildings, we've seen God doing something new. 
Last week, Emily posted videos on Facebook telling the Easter story. Some of them got viewed over 300 times. Imagine trying to fit 300 people in our church building. New families have expressed interest in joining us when all this is over. The new website, which the lockdown gave Emily and Andy the opportunity to create, is attracting attention from some on our island who have never been in touch with us before. And on top of this, there have been countless phone calls, emails, conversations over the back fence with friends and family and neighbours, where we have all had the opportunity to talk about our faith like never before. None of this minimises the great pain and difficulty of this crisis. It doesn't stop the coronavirus being a tragedy on an epic scale. But what it shows is that God is still here. He has the power to turn even this into a season of opportunity. He may even be working a new resurrection act right before our very eyes. If God could use the unnamed and the scared in Antioch, he can use you and me on Isla today. Let's all look for the opportunities to share our faith because people really are willing to listen. In the suffering of Antioch, God was still at work. In the coronavirus crisis on Isla, God is still at work. The second thing I think we need to see from our passage is this. In a time of suffering, encouragers are required. Barnabas was the man the church sent out from Jerusalem to check out what was really going on in Antioch. He was sent out with an air of scepticism, distrust, and even the thought that he would have to get rebellious activity under control. Yet when Barnabas arrived in the city... He was delighted by what he saw. This was not the cult activity of a few self-promoting radicals. This was the Lord God at work. Droves of people coming to faith in vice-ridden Antioch. Only the God who defeated the grave could pull something like this off. So instead of offering critique and rebuke, Barnabas sets about encouraging the believers as best he could. In this difficult time and place, he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He urged them to persevere in their trials by remembering the love of Jesus. Verse 24 tells us that Barnabas was the perfect person for this task, as he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was not just saying empty words. He was not just using Christian jargon or cringeworthy platitudes. The quality and the integrity of his life's actions inspired the believers to hold on just as much as anything he said. Verse 24 also speaks of the results of Barnabas' encouragement. As the people were spurred on, more people heard of Jesus. Soon more people came to faith. Soon the number of converts made up a large crowd. Encouragement is a powerful thing. One way that Barnabas encouraged in particular was by spotting and then helping to facilitate people using their own unique gifts and skill sets. 
As the number of converts in the city grew, Barnabas realised they would need good teaching. Otherwise, the vice of Antioch would soon return. So he sought out Saul. This is the same Saul who I mentioned earlier as having been travelling up and down the land persecuting Christians, not teaching them. But since the events surrounding Stephen's death, Saul too had come to faith. It was another piece of evidence towards God's resurrection power. For Saul met the risen Christ on a Damascus road and had his life completely turned around. Nothing else could possibly have turned Saul from a murdering zealot into a missionary and future martyr for the gospel other than meeting Jesus face to face. Barnabas knew Saul. He knew Saul was a great thinker and teacher. He knew Saul was better equipped for the job than he was. And to Barnabas's credit, he had no desire to hog the limelight. So he calls Saul to Antioch. He encourages Saul into his new ministry, just as much as he encouraged the refugee believers. Again, we read as a result of Barnabas's encouraging, many believers were built up. There is no doubt that at this time, people need encouraging. Some on Isla have lost loved ones, some have lost businesses, some have lost hope. Isolation has brought loneliness, domestic violence, mental health problems. People are really struggling. And this is not just people outside the church, but those within as well. It's true of us all, in different ways and to different extents. Some days we feel confident and full of faith. Others we are riddled with doubt and questions as to whether our faith is even worthwhile. We all need encouragement to keep going at times. So let's remember Barnabas and try and follow his example this week. Let's encourage the grocery store workers, the medics and the teachers. Let's encourage the parents struggling to homeschool their children. Let's encourage those using their gifts to make scrubs for Gotchen Vogie. Let's encourage those who are using their time at home to sit and pray. Let's encourage our fellow church members. We can do this in different ways. Phone calls, emails, gifts of home baking. Let's use our imagination. Just like some of our children are as they send their artwork to older church members. If we look for the opportunities to encourage, they will appear. If we take them, we will see people built up and faith continuing to grow. In a time of suffering, encouragers are required. This brings us to my third point, which kind of wraps up everything said before. This story shows us that in a time of suffering, Christians become known. Soon after Barnabas's and Saul's arrival, there was so much witnessing and encouragement and teaching going on that average members of the population were starting to take notice. These Gentiles kept hearing this mysterious name, Christ, mentioned. Soon they were labelling the group of believers as Christ people or Christians. At first, it was probably a mocking term, an act of derision, as they did not yet know what the term Christ meant. 
but very soon they would. The passage ends with the prophetic announcement of a severe famine on the way. Untold suffering was to come on many across a wide region. Immediately on hearing this news, these newly labelled Christians set about trying to help the poor. This time these ex-refugees did not ask, how will we survive? Where should we run to in order to protect ourselves? This time they stopped and thought the opposite. What can we do to help those who are in a worse position than ourselves? You see, through their experience in Antioch, they have learnt to trust that God is with them. That God worked through a persecution, and so he will now continue to work through a famine. They've also been encouraged and grown in faith as a result. In short, they are now thinking more like Jesus. The people in Antioch did not initially know who Jesus Christ was. They are about to get the most powerful example. The believers are committed at the deepest level to giving themselves in love to one another and to all in need. They were prepared to sacrifice for the benefit of others. In this very act, they demonstrate who King Jesus is and that he is a king unlike any other. It is so true that in a time of suffering, Christians can become known, and through them, Jesus himself. The church today needs to remain open to the cry of the poor and those in need, and be prepared to respond by giving its best. We can follow this biblical example and offer help to those in our community in a myriad of ways. Volunteering, donating, collecting, contacting, showing cross-like love. May the Christians on Isla become known in the way we respond to this crisis. Most of all, May people see the risen Jesus for themselves through our actions.